Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. In a rebuke to the liberal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the Supreme Court has upheld Trump's travel ban designed to protect America from Islamic terror attacks. The Democrats' open border zealots have forced the administration back into the disastrous catch-and-release policy. And we'll turn our gaze away from the leftist lunatics and take a look at the good news for American workers. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes, and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. And thank you for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmFirst Radio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. And you can share it with your friends and weigh in on the conversation and get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted. America First Radio is proudly carried on the Talk America Radio Network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio, where you can listen to their live feed 24-7 at talkamericaradio.us. And America First Radio is broadcast each weeknight on Talk America affiliates in Florida and Georgia, but if you miss a broadcast, you can always listen on demand on your favorite podcast directory, including SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. And, of course, at our website at AmericaFirstRadio.com, where you'll find all of our archives. Well, the big news today is the Supreme Court has made its first ruling on one of the uh, um, administration, the Trump administration's uh, policies uh, that were... Um, voted for during the 2016 election, the so-called travel ban, in which the president exercised his obvious statutory and constitutional authority to uh, regulate who comes into this country. And of course, um, the, uh, the ruling had been struck, or the order had been struck down by a judge in the Ninth Circuit. This one was a, uh, a judge, I forget his name, but he's in Hawaii. He was actually a classmate of Barack Obama in that private upscale uh, school in Hawaii. Uh, and the, the, the ruling from the lower court was obviously an error. Anybody could see that uh, the plain reading of the statute allows the President of the United States to determine uh, on his own, without review, who can come and go. But they... Uh, they uh, tied this up. Um, they, they, they actually struck down two prior travel bans. The administration had uh, been trying to satisfy the courts, but the courts steadfastly determined that they would not be satisfied and that they were going to uh, throw all in with the so-called resist movement and, uh, and in so doing deny the American people the security that uh, they, as I said, they voted for. Here's a quick uh, uh, report from NBC News on the ruling from the Supreme Court. Sorry for this delay. 
I apologize again for the technical error. Here we go. Here it is, Chief Justice John Roberts writing for the, for the conservatives on the court, and Stephen Breyer, Justice Stephen Breyer, writing for the liberal side, five to four, as you say, and Chief Justice Roberts saying that the Congress, right across the street from here, gives the president, any president, sweeping power to decide who can and who cannot come into the country. And so uh, John Roberts says, the chief with the conservatives says that what President Trump did on this travel ban, not the first travel ban, not the second travel ban, but the third travel ban issued last September is well within the president's powers. And he grounds that in the process that the Trump administration finally decided to use, a worldwide review of security at airports in various countries, interagency review, uh, and he said that that's okay. The other thing that's very important is the court finds that the president's statements on the campaign trail, which many people found bigoted against Muslims, are not applicable in this case because the statute itself, because the proclamation itself, is neutral. Since they were within the statute, they didn't even reach the constitutional questions there. Exactly. They decided that the Constitution, uh, the Establishment Clause, freedom of religion, is not at issue because the president does have the power to do this. Well, they didn't get to the constitutional question, but the constitutional question is uh, as crystal clear as the statutory question, and that is that um, foreign nationals seeking to come to the United States do not have any rights under the U.S. Constitution. The president is not obligated to extend them uh, the, the protections of the Constitution. And um, that's a good thing, because if the leftists had their way, uh, they would let people in this country regardless of the threat that they posed to public safety. But this is not a total win. For one thing, it needs to be said that this was a 5-4 ruling. So you had this, uh, this liberal uh, minority on the Supreme Court, Kagan, Ginsburg, Breyer, and um, it'll come to me, uh, that actually read this statute that says the president uh, can make these determinations unilaterally. It's just as plain, the writing on it, as plain as it can be. And they, they found a way to side with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which tells you what a uh, precarious position we are in as a nation uh, that we have allowed the leftists to, uh, to appoint uh, so many people to the Supreme Court of the United States that will turn a blind eye to the Constitution and, and, uh, and the law in order to pursue this political agenda. Also, on the bad news side of this equation, is that, um, as Judge Napolitano will tell you here shortly, uh, this uh, only sends the issue back down to the, um, to the lower court there in Hawaii, for a trial to take place, and, uh, and what will happen, undoubtedly, regardless of what is found at trial or what evidence is presented, is that this leftist judge out there, uh, this resistance judge, will reissue this, uh, this stay on this, uh, this travel ban and impose a temporary restraining order, and we'll have to go through all of this foolishness again. Here's, uh, here's Judge Knapp talking about this ruling. The, the good news for the president is... This is a, as, as your colleagues have been saying, this is a strong reaffirmation of the president's uh, ability to uh, regulate immigration into the United States in order to secure uh, the borders of the country. And this is based upon the Constitution, which designates the president as the sole formulator of foreign policy. 
uh, and a specific statute which grants the president the absolute and unfettered right to exclude persons or groups from particular areas. The issue is, did he do so for an impermissible purpose? And the majority said, we're only going to look at the words he uttered as the president of the United States and not what he said when he was a candidate. That's the important. Correct. That's the rub right here. And the dissenters are saying, how can you not look at what he said as a candidate? It's part of his persona. It was shouted loud and clear. It was proclaimed from the rooftops. He wants to stop Muslims because they're Muslims. The majority said, he didn't say that in these in these executive orders. We're just interpreting the executive orders. Now, that's the good news for the president. There is bad news for the president. What is it? This is a preliminary ruling as to whether it stays in effect during the trial. There will still be a trial as to whether it is constitutional. And that trial will be held before the same judge in Hawaii who invalidated this in the first place. But during the pendency of the trial, this is the law, and the president gets to enforce it. Well, God save us from the appointment of more liberal Supreme Court justices um, by uh, by any Democrat president, because we are really uh, in an existential crisis here when you've got four Supreme Court justices who basically argue that they want to extend constitutional protections to the entire world. Not just to American citizens, but anybody who wants to claim that they have a, a uh, some sort of right uh, or privilege in order to come to this country. And um, and the good news, obviously, is uh, the president is going to continue to uh, try to protect the nation from infiltration by another group of 9-11 type hijackers. Uh, he has the power to do that, but uh, this will be knocked back down to Obama's uh, resist crony there in Hawaii, and you can expect, as I said, regardless of what the uh, the the law or the Constitution or the evidence before his court uh, reveals, that he is going to uh, he's going to overturn the president's travel ban, and we're going to be right back to this. So um, I think uh, Justice Kennedy, who has so often betrayed uh, the conservatives on the Supreme Court, has announced that he is in fact not going to retire this this year. Uh, Justice Ginsburg is 85 years old, and we need more Supreme Court justices um, from this president. We'll be right back after these messages on America First Radio. Hi, this is Michelle Malkin from CRTV.com, and you're listening to Talk America Radio, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio. Well, the Democrat open border zealots that bamboozled the president into withdrawing his uh, his zero tolerance policy that uh, sent um, illegal aliens who uh, snuck across the border to jail, and if they brought children with them, sent them their children to uh, either relatives or foster care or um, or government run. Um, well, actually, they they're not even government run; they're nonprofit run. Uh, homes, just exactly the way uh, American children whose parents are arrested or treated. Uh, but he withdrew that policy, and now they're finding that uh, that they simply don't have 
he withdrew the policy and determined that they would keep the families together in detention, which is uh, uh, plainly uh, contrary to the so-called Flores ruling, again, out of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, there in uh, California, San Francisco. Uh, they're finding that they don't have the uh, the uh, space to hold the families together, and so we've got to return, according to uh, reports of the disastrous catch-and-release policy that acts as an absolute magnet uh, to the people down uh, in Central America uh, who want to use children in order to get across the border and disappear into the American interior. So what is to be done? Obviously, this is a, a, a screaming case uh, that we need this wall. Uh, but the ironic situation here is uh, that the administration is ramping up uh, its capacity to detain the families together by having the military build temporary housing for them on military bases. So the, the Pentagon can spend hundreds of thousands, probably before it's over with, billions of dollars in order to house these migrants who sneak into the country. But apparently the Pentagon, which is you know, in charge of the U.S. military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, and Coast Guard, is not allowed to spend any money in order to protect the country by building a wall. And, um, and, and this is just one of the maddening situations that we are allowed to spend tens of billions of dollars protecting the borders in Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq, but we're not allowed to spend $25 billion in order to protect, uh, with the military, in order to protect our own borders. And I, I just want to take every opportunity to remind you it would take between 18 and $25 billion to build this wall and... We spend, as a, a nation, an estimated $135 billion each and every year on the costs associated with illegal immigration. So I want to uh, point one thing out to you. Um, when when uh, Trump proposed during this uh, so-called omnibus bill to spend some of that money uh, to get construction started on the wall, the Democrats went into absolute apoplectic meltdown. Here is a, a clip about uh, uh, Durbin and Reed, the senior committee members for um, for armed services, and I think it's foreign affairs. Two Democratic senators concluded the Pentagon, quote, has no legal authority to use military funding to build a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. Senators Dick Durbin and Jack Reed made that point in a letter to Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. President Donald Trump and Mattis recently had an initial discussion about repurposing some defense funds to build Trump's proposed border wall, despite Trump's promise that Mexico would fund the project. But the two senators say funding approved by Congress can only be used for its intended purpose. Durbin is the ranking Democrat on the Senate Defense Appropriations Subcommittee, and Reid is the ranking Democrat on the Senate Armed Forces Committee. They point out reprogramming requests, quote, cannot create a new purpose for any funds, and all reprogrammings must be for unforeseen military requirements. The massive spending bill Trump reluctantly signed lines out $1.6 billion for fencing and certain surveillance tools. But that falls 
falls pretty short of Trump's $25 billion request for wall funding. He's reportedly had multiple conversations about using military funds to build a border wall and labeled the issue a matter of national security. It is most certainly an issue of national security. We are uh, being invaded by um, Central Americans and Mexicans over our southern border that are uh, costing American taxpayers and American workers billions and billions and billions of dollars. Uh, they were flooding the country with drugs and gang activity. And the Democrats are riding to their defense, steadfastly refusing to allow the president to deploy the military in order to protect our nation. And this is a relatively new uh, position for them. I've got a clip here from Art uh, Del Cueto. He is a, um, a, a local president for the uh, Customs and Border Patrol Union. And he's talking about um, the precedent that has already been established on this. Um, we use the Army Corps of Engineers to build the current fencing that's there right now. Um, can you imagine what they could do if they used real uh, good equipment to build a wall? Uh, the current fencing that is up there that they built, they used the old uh, Vietnam uh, material. So we'd welcome them to build the wall. Right. We would welcome them to build the wall and using some of that money. Evidently, there's some vindictiveness on the left that the right left happened that says you will not use concrete. Is that a problem for you? You know, I think at this point we have uh, President Trump has put the right engineers out there to see what works and what doesn't work. We just need the experts to do their job. That's what it comes down to. And you can't put a price on border security. The reality is that we need a better system, a better wall in specific locations. It helps the agents tremendously, and it's a huge help for the entire country. You know, we saw that up close and personal. We, if I said to you, okay, we got the whole southern border, we got all these states, where do you need it the most? Where should we start? You know, there's several areas. There's several areas. I mean, obviously, there's some areas that have, uh, you know, natural barriers, but there's still areas in Texas that are wide open. There's areas uh, here in Arizona that, that need much better uh, deterrent than what we currently have. And that's what it comes down to, especially when you see, you know, it's, you're not talking about just illegal aliens that are coming into a country. You're seeing a huge drug epidemic. You know, I currently work in the Tucson sector where it's still, you know, close to 50% of all the drug seizures in the entire country are apprehended here in this sector. There's a lot of things that need to be done. That wall is very, very important. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that the voters expected. I think uh, the Republicans control the House, they control the Senate, and they control the White House. And there's certain things that need to be done, and they're being really slow about uh, letting the president do what he needed he needs right. to do. The Democrats are actually being con uh, obstructionist on this issue, and it just blows your mind that we've got one of the two major political parties in this country that is actually um, wh whose stated purpose is to pre uh, prevent the commander-in-chief from securing our borders. Everybody knows why they want open borders. Um, they claim that they don't want the president to build the wall because it's, uh, you know, it's a waste of money. But when you look at the relatively small amount of money that this wall would cost in big picture and how much money they waste on other things, you know that that's just uh, rank hypocrisy. Here's a clip from David Knight. He is the best thing going on InfoWars um, uh, broadcast. He's on in the morning, uh, but uh, he's he's nailing this issue. Trump White House has now sought the largest ever black ops budget, eighty-one billion dollars, and they're not going to tell you what that is. So I got a for surveillance of American people. Budget. 
and they're not going to say anything that's in there. Uh, I'll tell you what's not in there, the wall. So $81 billion for a secret budget, but not $18 billion for the wall. Here's another one. Israel, $38 billion was a record amount of military aid given to Israel in 2016. And now you've got Lindsey Graham and others a year and a half later saying this is short-sighted and insufficient and small, and we've got to have massive increases. $38 billion for Israel's defense, not $18 billion for our defense of our borders. And finally, we got the Pentagon. And this is uh, by uh, warisboring.com. The Pentagon robbed taxpayers of $16 billion. Hmm. Gee, if we could just stop that, then we could build the wall, couldn't we? Now, I absolutely agree with the president's original position that Mexico ought to be made to pay for this wall and that he can do that under his executive authority. Now, reallocating those funds that he has uh, collected from the remittances that are going back to Mexico each and every year, totaling $53 billion, reallocating that for the construction of the wall would require legislation, but, uh, but we can definitely collect that money at Mexico's expense. Um, the truth of the matter is, and I don't really need to t uh, tell you, is that uh, they don't want the wall because they know the wall will be effective and they want to continue to flood our country and transform it both demographically and culturally uh, into something that the Democrats uh, can use to put another socialist, third world type uh, uh, country on the North American uh, continent. And uh, as a part of all this, you've had an unremitting attack on ICE up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Antifa has attacked an ICE uh, facility there in uh, in downtown Portland, and have been um, been has actually shut it down. They've issued an order today, forcing them to vacate. But uh, they've been allowed to get away with this for almost a week, and all of this is uh, prompted by uh, these Democrat politicians that are running around calling. Border Patrol, um, uh, fascist and a terrorist organization. I'll play this clip for you again. Cynthia Nixon, one of the main candidates for the governor of New York. Children aren't just being separated uh, at the border. You know, they're being separated throughout this country by mm -hmm. ICE. Yes. I think we need to abolish ICE. That seems really clear. <laughs> and replace it with. We don't need to replace, we, you know, ICE is relatively new. It came in after September 11th. We this is a, a pure idiot. She she thinks that, that uh, ICE was uh, just created after 9-11 because they changed their name. But she actually wants to do away with it and eliminate the, the only protection we have on the southern border from being absolutely overwhelmed by the third world. You've got the leading president for the uh, uh, candidate for the next president of Mexico actually saying uh, that they're going to flood the United States with Mexicans if he wins, and he is the favorite to win. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the state of the American worker. Some good news right after these messages on America First Radio.
This is Donna Fiducia. And I'm Don Newen from Cowboy Logic Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to one of our favorite radio shows, America First Radio, with our friend Jim Dawes. That's right, Donna. We consider America First Radio appointment radio. America First Radio with Jim Dawes, weeknights. Right here on Talk America Radio, found at talkamericaradio.us. Well, before we get to the good news that I promised just before the break, I do want to catch up on this uh, this issue of the left's, the Democrats' harassment of uh, uh, Trump supporters and Republicans, uh, because there was a bit of breaking news on this uh, this topic um, on Laura Ingram's show yesterday, and it turns out uh, that this this incident at the Red Hen in Lexington, Virginia, uh, was not really accurately or completely reported by the opposition media. Uh, you recall that uh, in the coverage in ti- uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post that they they sort of characterized Miss Stephanie Wilkinson, um, a uh, one of these uh, you know resist pussy hat wearing um, radicals, as being you know very uh, reasonable and uh, and um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, polite to Sarah Sanders as she tossed her out of her restaurant. Uh, they give, gave her several paragraphs to explain why she did it and how she did it, and of course didn't question that at all. And for several days, uh, far past the attention of uh, most people, uh, it was um, it was portrayed as if she just uh, you know had a moral disagreement with Sarah Sanders and um, asked her to leave her establishment. Now, that's most that's things something <clears throat> that most uh, Republicans can get behind because. Uh, we believe that you have a, uh, a right to, uh, you know, conduct your business as you see fit. I personally don't have a problem with Stephanie Wilkinson um, asking Sarah Sanders and her party, her family, to leave the restaurant. All I or any other of these uh, leftist Democrat establishments. All I would ask is they put a sign on the door uh, so that I will know in advance uh, not to go in there so that I can take my business elsewhere. I would suggest the sign be a giant D or maybe a hammer and sickle so we'll know exactly uh, who they are and, uh, and, and what their um, agenda is. But uh, Sarah Sanders' father, uh, Mike Huckabee, was on Laura Ingram's show yesterday, and he, he revealed the rest of the story, as, uh, as Paul Harvey uh, liked to say. I'll just play you a clip uh, to set this up. There's a part of that story that has not been told. You're going to be the first to hear it. Sarah and her husband just went home. They, they had sort of had enough. But the rest of her family um, went across the street to a different restaurant. The owner of the Red Hen, because nobody's told this, then followed them across the street, called people and organized a protest, yelling and screaming at them from outside the other restaurant. So... This story is not as it was represented at all. At all, it turns out that this uh, this woman was uh, an unhinged leftist that uh, stalked Sarah Sanders' party around the town, trying to run them out. And when you uh, keep in mind uh, that 
uh, Lexington, Virginia, uh, voted by uh, three to one in favor of Donald Trump. And you combine that with the, the recently revealed fact that this uh, Stephanie Wilkinson uh, is the head of the so-called Main Street Lexington, the, the organization that they put together in order to try to increase tourism and business to downtown. You just get an idea of exactly uh, who this woman is and, and how unhinged she is. She's got uh, she's got the rest of the business owners uh, in Lexington uh, mad as as hell about this because it's costing them business because of her um, her uh, being out of control trying to hound people out of town. Now, as I said, if she doesn't want to serve them, that is her right. I wholeheartedly support it. But to follow somebody around town stalking them, trying to protest them, that's exactly what's been going on with Christian um, uh, Nielsen, the Homeland Security Secretary, and uh, Pam Bondi, and, um, and now Sarah Huckabee. And it's, it, it appears, and this would be a big story if it were happening to Democrats, that these people are singling out women uh, Trump supporters in particular. So, so much for the Me Too movement and, and the sisterhood. It only applies when, um, when you're a leftist or a Democrat. I want to play you a clip here. I, I, this is not exactly on point, but I found it while I was uh, going around looking for that clip of Mike Huckabee. This is Seth Rogen. He is, um, he's one of these stars in these, uh, these adolescent uh, comedies, you know, with a lot of bathroom humor in them. He, uh, he fancies himself as some sort of, you know, talented person when, it, when in fact he's just a, um, a leftist hack. But he's talking about uh, an encounter he had with the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. And he said, can I uh, have a picture with you? Um, and I look over, and his kids are standing right there, expectantly, clearly fans of mine. And I said... Clearly fans of mine, he says. Oh, my God. Right there, expectantly, clearly fans of mine. And I said, no way, man. And I couldn't stop. And I said, furthermore, I hate what you're doing to the country at this moment. And I count the days till you no longer have one iota of the power that you currently have. And I look over and his kids are still standing right there. You believe that? This guy has got a really inflated um, opinion of himself. He, he actually thinks that he is some sort of, you know, cultural arbiter and that he gets to determine these things. They, 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 they no longer just consider themselves as actors, which is probably one of the uh, stupidest professions. You could, you could go to any small town USA and find people uh, with more acting talent than Seth Rogen. The reason Seth Rogen is there is strictly by luck of the draw and that he was uh, narcissistic enough to go through, um, you know, whatever it took to try to get in front of the uh, the lens. He is, is, has no particular talent. Acting for, um, for movies where you get multiple takes is not, you know, any great shakes. But now... Let's get to the good news, and that is uh, that the state um, of the American worker has really never been better. 
Uh, and you probably know all the great statistics, the lowest unemployment rate in two decades, the lowest black and Hispanic unemployment rate ever, ever. The record number of Americans that are working, the five million uh, uh, bonuses that were paid out to middle-income Americans just this year, the increase in wages, the uh, the fantastic job market. The president has boasted that the uh, uh, of this job market almost daily, and he deserves to do so. You know, while the media is focused on all of these things that are not a benefit of the American people, we need to uh, to take stock sometimes. Uh, just what a great job uh, the administration has done and what a blessing this economy is to ordinary working men and women. They, uh, the Democrats keep running around uh, pretending, lying, deceiving that this, uh, this tax uh, cut is just for rich people because it benefits businesses. First of all, 95 or more uh, percent of the businesses in this country are small uh, businesses. And uh, even the benefit that goes to the big businesses has resulted in this wonderful job market that is offering opportunity and prosperity to our, uh, uh, to our workers and to the next generation. And people are starting to get wise. They're, fi- they're, they're realizing that the reason that the Democrats are dumping all over this is because uh, they know that Americans tend to vote uh, on their wallet. And this good news goes uh, way beyond, you know, just the, the, uh, the blaring headlines and the job numbers. Of the jobs that have been created, it's way over 3 million now. Almost 800,000 of those jobs are in construction, manufacturing, and mining. I think about 350,000 of those jobs or 380,000 of those jobs are manufacturing jobs that are the backbone of any economy. Good, blue-collar, middle-class jobs that had been disappearing for years are returning. These are the types of jobs that you can raise a family on. And last week, the National Association of Manufacturers found that a full 95%, almost 100% of their members are optimistic about the future. But that is... um, based on, I would argue, the assumption uh, that we've got a, a, a still a majority of people in here that are concerned about, uh, about jobs and working people. I'm going to play you a clip here. This is a, a clip where uh, Trump held a roundtable of, uh, of manufacturers um, and um, construction people to talk about the improved um, environment for employers and for workers in the aftermath of Trump's uh, slashing of uh, Obama-era regulations. Today we'll uh, hear from citizens who are thriving as a result of our efforts to put America workers first. We're joined by... Well, I lost track of the uh, clock. We'll have to uh, hear this clip after the break when we return on America First Radio. This is Dr. Kelly Ward from the great state of Arizona, and you're listening to Talk America Radio, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio.
So I got caught against a hard break when I was trying to play that clip for you. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. I just want to say that, uh, you know, this, uh, this tightening job market uh, that puts workers in the driver's seat is really great news for my family. I've got two children who are uh, early in their career. Actually, one's uh, graduating college next year and will be entering the job market. And if we can just keep this ball rolling and keep the Democrats from sabotaging the economy in their desperate quest to uh, to you know engage in uh, class warfare and try to institute Bernie Sanders forms of uh, socialism, then this will have absolutely uh, fantastic uh, effects on the next generation's careers and the uh, the uh, the aging generation's retirement um, uh, prospects. And if we can keep a uh, you know three or four percent uh, growth going for you know five or ten years, we can uh, we can go a long way to restoring Social Security to health. But as we went out to that break, I was playing you a clip. This is a roundtable that Trump had with um, with employers in manufacturer, manufacturing and mining. And um, and I just want you to hear directly from the employers and the workers about the positive effects that his uh, regula- deregulation had. Today we'll uh, hear from citizens who are thriving as a result of our efforts to put America workers first. We're joined by wonderful union members and workers at the great American steel and iron mining companies. I've been in this industry for 42 years, and I just want to thank you on behalf of my uh, fellow workers for your administration's uh, tariff sign of steel. When I first heard about your ideas of tariffs and fair trade, I knew that was going to bring stability to our main industry. We in northeastern Minnesota, we're sick and tired of the bureaucrats telling us what we can do with the lands that we cherish. I think the reduction in regulations are as big a factor in the country's success as anything that we've done, including the tax cuts. With regulation, uh, we thank you for reducing them and giving us a chance to, to do our job. This administration, under President Trump, and this Congress went in there and repealed those Many of those executive branch rules, that, that's repealing about $3.7 billion of rules and regulations that were hampering energy and mining and manufacturing in Minnesota. They're seeing the difference that you're making. Our town has potentially two mines, additional mines. We have a lot to gain, and we have even more to lose if this doesn't happen. And we want to see our town continue to thrive to what it was once and even better. We're steel and aluminum. You can't lose these industries. We need these industries. And I, I can't thank you enough for um, the Section 232 right. and the steel tariffs. We have definitely seen an increase in our overall productivity, and um, we've had a lot of employees called back, not only in our iron mines, but also in our steel making facilities, and that has really been a, a real benefit to this area. You know, I just want to take a, as they say, a moment of personal privilege here. I was, um, I'm a retired uh, firefighter, you may know, and uh, and in my role as a firefighter, I retired as a battalion chief. I was also uh, the president of our our local um, IAFF, International Association of Firefighters, Local 134 in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, and our union was an affiliate of the AFL-CIO. I also went on to uh, to represent the state for the IAFF. Uh, I was uh, in charge of the whole state of Georgia. 
And I can tell you that the vast majority of my um, of my members uh, are Trump voters and support uh, the Make America First agenda. They uh, they do not like the fact that the AFL-CIO has gotten so bogged down in social issues. What they want to pay their dues for and they want, um, you know, the value in return is labor representation. But the AFL-CIO has gotten thoroughly bogged down uh, and actually uh, hijacked or um, taken over by social justice warriors, including the guy at the very top, Trumpka, Richard Trumpka. And, uh, and that's one of the things that's really been hurting uh, the labor movement uh, as far as uh, membership goes, because uh, the American workers, by and large, blue-collar workers, <laughs> they don't support this agenda. And I, when I would go to meetings and meet with fellow labor leaders, I can't tell you how many of the people uh, at the top of this organization were thoroughly um, co-opted by the uh, Democratic Party and who, whose political outlook was thoroughly at odds with their membership. And I kept telling them, you know, Donald Trump is a guy who has created tens of thousands of jobs, maybe hundreds of thousands of jobs over his long career as a real estate developer. Uh, and this is a guy that, uh, you know, negotiated fair contracts. He, he was a tough negotiator with the uh, unions that he employed. But uh, from all of the uh, union got, uh, workers on his projects that I talked to, he negotiated tough contracts and then he kept his end of the bargain. And I could listen to uh, Donald Trump when he came in and you could tell that he was sort of an old-fashioned uh, industrialist that took pride in employing people in productive activity and, uh, and you know, being the boss, being the guy. It's sort of a throwback to what we used to have in this country where, um, you know, in small towns across the country, the, uh, the guy that ran the local uh, mill or um, department store or uh, other, other businesses that uh, employed people was looked up to and appreciated for um, making jobs that allowed people to raise their families. I never was able to get these people, these, uh, these union leaders, to understand that. I've since left uh, the IFF, but uh, but what's going on in this country is absolutely fantastic. I, I, get, I played you a clip right there on the regulations. I want to play you this clip where uh, the president is holding a, a Rose Garden um, event with employers and workers to talk about the effects of the tax cuts. I want to thank all of the American workers in the audience. We have a lot of them who have traveled here from all over the country. They wanted to be with us. This event is dedicated to you, the hardworking Americans who make our nation run. You love your country. You provide for your family. You're proud of everything you've done. You've got that great extra strength that other people don't have. And you cherish a wonderful thing called our great American flag. now, because of our tax cuts, you can keep more of your hard-earned money. Larry Kudlow is very happy about that, sitting in the front row. Right, Larry? Good. He says yes. 
Married couples won't pay a dime of income tax on their first $24,000 of income. A typical family of four earning $75,000 a year will see their tax bill slashed in half. Nobody thought they'd ever see that. A lot more money to spend. Well, this is all great news. The only downside, the only caution I would give to you is that the labor market is tightening up so much that the uh, business community is already starting uh, to uh, to bang the drum for uh, more um, higher levels of immigration. The the 20 million um, immigrants that are in this country illegally are apparently not enough for them. They they want to flood more uh, of them in, and that has the self defeating, very predictable uh, result of of um, disenfranchising. The, uh, the Republican Party and, and workers that uh, they count on and will uh, lead to the predictable uh, result of having, um, you know, socialist-type policies that, similar to what we saw over the last eight years. So I wish we had a, a president that was more articulate and that could, uh, you know, give those types of speeches and explain that. But uh, I'm grateful that we have uh, somebody in that office that is actually putting America first. I want to play you a clip. Uh, it's from about a month ago where Rince Priebus appeared on Fox and talked about the future of the uh, the GOP under the Trump um, America First Great Agenda. Look, not since Ronald Reagan, and I'd say maybe even beyond Reagan, President Trump had a personality and a persona and a brand that's so unique, not just to American politics, but to the country, that he sort of owns this piece of real estate. And no matter how anyone wants to analyze it, look, the Republican Party is a big entity, but more than ever before, the Trump brand is a huge entity. And it intersects each other about 85% of all of the things that Trump and the party believe in. What I would challenge the Republican Party, though, is instead of debating whether or not Trump is the party or the party is Trump, to take the best of Trump, which I have always said from the very beginning, even when I was in the White House, just come on TV and say, if the Republican Party becomes the permanent party of the American worker, mm-hmm. we will never lose a national election again. Since President Trump's been in office, we've added over 334,000 manufacturing jobs. That is President Trump's bread and butter. And of all the <clears throat> analysis out there this week about this great economy, I can tell you the one thing <clears throat> that the president has always been focused on is wage growth. Because he knows that if people start putting more money in their pocket, it is absolute Teflon politically in for solidifying his future. And so I would just say that in a nutshell is where the party needs to be. Well, it is great politics. There's no doubt about that. But I would give the president more credit than that. I think he's doing it because that's what he believes in. If you read his writings for years and years before he ran, decades really, that's what he was concerned about, is the economic well-being of the American people. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of America First Radio. I hope you'll join us back here again tomorrow on the Talk America Radio Network. Son, tonight we look after the North Pole while Santa delivers all the holiday goodies. Wooden ponies, dolls, Xfinity. Xfinity? It's only the awesomest internet ever.
The whole family can enjoy fast, reliable internet speed and great coverage all at a great value. Plus, advanced security is included at no extra cost with Xfinity XFi and the XFi Gateway. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Choose the speed that works for you. Up to gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.